Thanks for joining us for Episode 9 of Couples, Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. The first and third Wednesday of each month, we drop episodes with advice, tips, and real-world experience for partnering in business and life. I'm Jody, a business owner and communication strategist, and when I was a kid, I had pillows on my bed that spelled out my name, J-O-D-I-E. My sister would remove the first two pillows so that I would come home and see die on my bed. Sisters. Trying to send you a little message. I think maybe. Well, I'm Glenn, Jody's partner in life and business. And recently, while looking for pants at a department store, bumped into someone and said, excuse me. It turned out to be a mannequin. Who's the dummy? <laughs> I've done that too, actually. I've actually, mm. yeah. It's, it's I've good. gotten out of my own way walking into a mirror once. Anyway, on today's show, we talk about creativity and then the importance of building trust with your partner. At the end of the episode, we'll stop by the Couples Inc. water cooler and talk about some things we're liking right now. So without further ado, let's get started with episode nine of Couples Inc. For today's big topic, um, we're going to talk about creativity and a lot of people want to know, where does it come from? And so in part of my research for this, I went to Psychology Today, and here is a quote, and we'll we'll include a link to the article um, about the basics of creativity. We'll include that in our show notes. Mm-hmm. But here's the quote. Creativity encompasses the ability to discover new and original ideas, connections, and solutions to problems. An act of creativity can be grand and inspiring, such as crafting a beautiful painting or designing an innovative company. But an idea need not be artistic or world-changing to count as creative. Life requires daily acts of ingenuity and novel workarounds. In this sense, almost everyone possesses some amount of creativity. So as I was reading that, I started thinking, okay, do we believe that anyone can be creative? It depends on what you call creativity. If you're talking about making a new uh, device that helps to give people free energy, don't know. The odds are against it, I think. Because here's my thing. Most people, I think, are, are burdened so much with everyday living that they don't get the time or the resources that they want to be that creative. Uh huh. Agreed. I yeah. Some um, I was talking to someone and I said, "Oh, I can't draw," and he's like, "Well, yeah, you can. You just forgot or stopped practicing." Every kid has this creativity, and you just you know didn't get there. But I kind of feel like you got to take that with okay, yeah, everyone can be or anyone or most people can be physically active in some way, barring any kind of health issues. But they can be physically active. Now, does that mean everyone can be a world class athlete? No. But does that mean that you know, I could go for a hike and be physically active. Yes. So I think creativity has different things like Instagram. And I see videos of creative hacks for daily things. And I'm like, wow, that was really smart. And that goes back to the new connections. I like those cat videos. (laughs) Those are creative too. Everyone can be creative, but you can't expect everyone's going to be a Picasso. Um, A few of the traits that the article also talked about is for creative people is open to experiences curiosity and positivity and you you actually read an article that kind of talks a little bit about maybe looking into new things and that's where you get those aha moments yeah and that shouldn't be really any surprise when when you stretch yourself i think when you're trying to figure out a new solution to something that you're up against and you really haven't thought about it very much that tends to expand your 
I guess, your thoughts and your mm-hmm. mindset about it. But yeah, there was a, a whole thing in the Atlantic uh, just a, a month or so ago. And it was, uh, it was about the, the hot streaks that people encounter creatively in their career. Let's say that you go to work uh, for a couple of weeks and everything just falls into place. It's all magnificent. You come up with these different solutions to problems that you've been working on for a long time. And that's a hot streak. And you can parlay that into an even hotter streak with the right kind of environment Mm -hmm. and uh, the time that you take, that you're able to take, the resources you can dedicate to it, maybe the teamwork. There was a Stanford School of Business professor named James March, and he had a paper called Exploration and Exploitation in Organizational Learning. And it put work into two categories, exploring new ideas and exploiting old certainties. Okay. So let's say that you're making widgets. You have a factory that makes widgets. Well, somebody's come along and, or you have thought of a brand new idea on an improved version of the widget that's going to just revolutionize the market, but it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of money. You're going to have to completely retool your widget factory to make this come true. Meanwhile, your existing widget business is thriving. They're just flying off the shelves. So you have to come to a decision on that. You have to make up your mind. I'm going to leave the conventional um, success of my existing widgets to the wayside for a little while and take that financial hit while I pursue this other, this new revolutionary widget idea. And it's going to Ultimately, it'll raise our company to new heights, and the entire industry will be revolutionized. How scary is that, though, to think about taking that decision? Well, sure. Yeah. You've got your, you know, real money at stake. Put your Mm -hmm. money where your mouth is and that sort of thing. Well, it kind of reminds me, uh, one of those examples is Kodak. Mm -hmm. They, why is it, it's not Kodak Graham? Why is it Instagram? Well, Kodak was busy making cameras and film. They didn't, they forgot they were an image company, and they didn't stop doing that to then become the image company that we know online and now missing an opportunity by staying too tightly wound to old ways. Yeah, or maybe they didn't forget. They may have sometime reached that point where they had to make the decisions, but they were making so much money Mm -hmm. with film and with cameras that it just, they couldn't commit. Yeah, it's a tough thing. So so how do you know when to do that? Or did did the article talk about that? It didn't really talk much about that. This was an article that really kind of just explored the two things that you use to make the organizational learning tool work, the exploration and exploitation. And it it gives the example, too, of Jackson Pollock, okay? In his career, before he started painting with a drip method, Mm -hmm. he tried all kinds of different things. He tried surrealism. He tried abstracts. And it wasn't like none of them worked for him. He's an artist, and that's kind of what artists do. They just start dabbling. When he explored the drip style, he knew that he could exploit it. And sure enough, within a couple of years, he became famous around the world. And he was named, I think, in the late 40s, America's greatest living uh, painter. But then he moved on from it after a few years. And he began experimenting again for the rest of his life. He never went back to it. But, but he is always forever going to be known sure, as in that area. In, in everybody else's mind, now in his mind... Being an artist, 
And the, the best artists to me, the ones that end up being the most creative, are the ones that don't sit in one style for too long. You know, you see singers all the time. David Bowie's a perfect example. He didn't sit still with one style. If he had, he'd have been a nostalgia act, and people would have forgotten about him. He started moving before everybody else moved. And it wasn't because he was trying to be commercially successful, certainly. It was because he followed his muse. It was because he wanted to find that hot streak again. So to translate that into like a business situation, mm -hmm. I, I, I like the idea of exploring, it kind of being almost a cycle. You explore new ideas, you exploit mm -hmm. them, but then you explore again, do we need to, to switch? Do we need to change anything about this? That's a creative part of what we're talking about, finding a new connection. Yeah. finding a new way to do something. It doesn't have to be so grand as you are completely changing your model, but you might find, after exploring, you might find a new audience to reach, a new method to promote it, a new way to create it. But you have to take that time to explore options and then see how it fits into your model and then exploit those. But don't just settle. Keep revisiting and keep... Keep sharp, kind of honing that, um, you know, sharpening the sword or, yeah, or yeah. The, you know, keep honing, honing your skills. Sharpen the saw. Yeah, that's the phrase I'm looking for, sharpen the saw. Um, that kind of reminds me, this is something that I always looked at when I looked at creativity. I know I love your explore, exploit. I'm going to change it into three eyes. Okay. <laughs> information, incubation, inspiration. That was sort of always my mantra oh. is that I gather all the information and I try to, like in this case, explore. I try to think about different things, find those connections, do the research. And then I kind of let it go for a little bit, let it kind of simmer. And then inspiration strikes. So I think that's where continually learning, continually seeking new things, contacting other people, networking, you get this information and you kind of let it simmer like a stew. And you kind of, then you, then the flavors marinate in your brain. And then that's when you have your inspiration and then you exploit that new new connection, that new way of doing something. Well, you did say that you let it, you set it aside for mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. I think that's when, I think people sometimes, they keep trying to focus on the solution so much that they get caught up mm -hmm. and it just, it's right there and they can't see it because it hasn't, those connections haven't been allowed to form. And time is of the essence. Yeah, you're under the gun, but sometimes you need to step back and you take the information you've had and let it kind of be, sit with it for a little while. Right. And then you can look at ways, the inspiration, and then you exploit that inspiration. Do these three eyes to you come mm -hmm. in this order or are they interchangeable, the order in which they occur? They kind of come in this order, but it's kind of a cyclical thing. Right. I could see it being a circle or maybe back and forth. You go from the inspiration back to incubation. Oh. You know, maybe, you know, don't, don't jump on the idea right away if you're not comfortable with it. The bottom line on the um, whole Atlantic article mm -hmm. was that most hot streaks begin by doing something different. That's experimentation. And then exploration followed by exploitation will foster that hot streak a lot of times. The author said that it usually most people have only one hot streak in their career. I don't know about that. I think that mm -hmm. if you're talking about something that's grand and, and defines your career and, and is your pinnacle achievement, maybe. 
But I think that you can also have other hot streaks that are just as valid as the big one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like starting your business, that's a hot streak. Creating something new, creating something that's going to flourish, that's a hot streak. As a business owner, you have to be creative on a regular basis and fueling that creativity by continually being on top of information and continually exploring different things, um, experimenting with different things, and then finding a way to exploit in the best possible sense of that word that to benefit your business, then, you know, that's to me still a streak may not be the ultimate, but it still, I think could, like you said, could be a hot streak, could be a hot streak. Next up, we're going to talk about trust. And and we're not big believers in that, you know, true trust. I don't think it's going to come from a crazy exercise like walking on coals. You had me worried for a second. I do believe in true trust, but I don't think it comes from walking on coals, falling into someone's arm like in those trust falls or, you know, an elaborate ropes course. Yeah, I mean, because... If you're working with someone, that person is likely not climbing up ropes and swinging and standing on things they have to balance. You may build the, you know, that may build confidence for somebody, I guess, but that's not what they do for a living. I just have never understood these things. Well, like the pandemics kind of changed things with that too, I think. That's true. We're already we're living in an extreme, extreme uh, trust exercise. Trust exercise. That's the whole thing. Is this has been an extreme Year trust three. trust exercise? I think. You don't really, you can't create that. Did you ever do any of that? Yeah. I didn't do a trust fall ever, but we we did do like different activities where you had to un, unknot something, like all the different ropes and you had to work together to try to, and some of them are just basically to help you work through problems and things like that. But now, what kind of knot was it? Was it a regular knot in a string or a rope, or was it one of those, like, your iPhone headphone cord? Oh, my gosh. Time? that If that were the case, I'd just have to walk out, because okay. I can't... I mean, I... Yeah, to uh, me, that's the ultimate trust exercise for yourself. For yourself. If you can't Can you trust that you're not going to just, yeah. like, lash out at someone because you can't get this cord undone? There you go. Yeah, I, I think... But honestly, I do think that trust comes from yourself is I trust you and couples have that Aww. advantage oh, have that advantage in that you already have a built-in trust more so than I would with say another business partner not that I don't trust other people but we're going to have a more inherent trust but it really isn't what it isn't what you do as much as it is what I am willing to let go of it really is about yourself about trust it's not mm. in my mind particularly when it comes to work it's not that I don't trust that you're capable or they don't trust you're going to do something. It's, can I trust myself to let that go? It's your perspective. And if yeah. you're willing to let go of certain things or it's a control situation most of the time. Know thyself, trust thyself. In your mind, when it comes to working in a business with your spouse, mm-hmm. how much does trust play into it? Or how do you think it's... Complete. Yeah, but how do you think, do you think it's been better because we have that relationship, the trust? I think I take it for granted more than I should. Mm, yeah. Because I just know that your best interest and mine are the same when it comes to the business, as in most other things in life. 
Exactly. That is the bonus of being a couple in business is that you are sharing the same goals and you are often revealing something, you know, that you might not reveal to a business partner who is just a business partner, platonic business partner. Right. And I don't have any territory issues. There's no, Mm -hmm. this isn't my job type of thing. Well, maybe I've done that a couple of times, but... (laughs) Hence why I still have to fuss. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's inherent to me. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I, I and I love that's again we've talked about how there are certain things that are built in or baked in to the couples mm-hmm. in business model, mm-hmm. and trust is most definitely one of those. Yeah. Um, there are some hangups that you might have as a couple in other areas. Hopefully, you can overcome those. But I would think that if you're going to be in business with this person, trust is already fairly solid. You're yeah. hoping. Yeah. Now, how do you feel? Have you ever done any of those trust exercises? And no. have you? No, that's. <laughs> you worked in radio. That you weren't really about trust, right? What do you mean by that? Radio <laughs> is a trustworthy and honorable profession. Yeah, I usually did these. They tend to happen when I worked at any kind of nonprofit, which was, I guess, maybe a sign that they are really more inclined to care about dynamics of the environment and really want to. And they probably have really good intentions with these trust exercises or with these team building exercises and more inclined to just have trust or build trust through a relationship and through working with a person and getting to know the person. I do remember one job I had, this has been long, long ago, where they showed us a video where you were supposed to count the number. There were like five or six guys standing around tossing a basketball to each other. You're supposed to count the number of passes, you know, totally mm-hmm. and keep that running totally in your mind. Well, during the video, there was a gorilla, a guy in a gorilla suit oh, that walked across that. the screen and nobody seemed to notice it. Now, I don't know if that's a trust exercise or a gorilla exercise. Or... No, that's just a, 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 I think it's an illusion it, or it's like some kind of thing about focus. Like when you're too focused on something, it's Focusing like... Focusing on Bigfoot. Right. The lesson, it's it's more of like a lesson to, you know, when you focus on something, you might miss the bigger things. But when it comes to trust, I just, I think that trust is earned. And I think that if you're going to be in business with somebody, you need to feel that you can trust that they're going to pull their weight. They're going to do the job. They're going to have the, they're going to have the same interest and uh, I guess passion that the company will succeed. They're not going to undermine anything, that you just have that trust. And that should be a foundation of any business, whether you're a couple in business or not. Right. But it's particularly strong for couples. You and I have the built-in trust. Mm -hmm. And it's because not only are we married, but we have this vision for the business. Right. Having never been in a situation where I was partnered with another person in a business, I really don't know what that's like. I don't either. I've only just worked for other places. But I think here's the key when it comes to trust, particularly if it is about your business partner. You think in terms of we more Mm. than you think in terms of me. Absolutely. And that's just inherent. And I think that is the key to trust is think about we or think in terms of a we perspective Mm -hmm. than a me perspective. Yeah. Time now for another visit to the Couples Inc. water cooler. There it is. Hey, Jody. I do enjoy stopping by the uh, the water cooler, and it's I love refreshing. when I see you. It is refreshing, hydrating. Great to see you. This is what we like. 
lately, mm-hmm. what we're liking. Yeah. I like the show Ozark. Oh, yeah, you do. I haven't convinced you to start watching it with me, and I don't know if I ever will. This is such a good show. It's dark, and I'll give you that. It's shocking. It can be violent. But tell me what's tell me the bad there part. Is, there, is, <laughs> there is a downside. Yes. <laughs> One of the things that I get so much from this show is the compromise that evil does to a person's character. Hmm. When the the protagonists in this first start out, the they're a married couple. Uh, didn't listen to Couples Inc., so they're kind of, they're off on on a Doing tangent their, right yeah. there anyhow. Yeah. And they could be a sponsor right now. Ozark, if you're listening, I know you're in your last season, but please consider us. This couple, the guy was a financial advisor, and he didn't know that his partner was involved in business dealings with the Mexican drug cartel. So it it takes off pretty quickly that he gets the business, not of his own choice, obviously, He's, he's forced into it. And to make it work, he has to get out of town, and they move from Chicago to uh, Lake of the Ozarks. And it goes from there. So what is it you think that is such a draw for you? Mm. The quality is one thing. Mm. The writing is top-notch. The character development is great. Um, Everyone that's working on that series is making TV the way I, I think it should be made. It's just very good from beginning. It's like a, a little Swiss watch. This goes back to Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Oh, you yeah. like delving into what makes the the what makes these characters do the things they do, mm. and that these are characters that have made very very bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And you're fascinated, I think, by how they work their way through those. Yeah, yeah, so. that's that's very true. You know, I'm hating that it's going to end. But they've already scheduled the last episodes, I think, in May. And that's going to be the end of it. Just like Breaking Bad ended. Just like uh, some of the other shows that we, you and I used to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nip Tuck on Yeah, FX. you're getting ready. To, you said Justify is coming back. Justify you were very is excited about back. that. Yeah, I saw that the other day. And I'm, I'm real excited about that. It's a limited series. So I'll have to say goodbye to it again. I just maybe I just need to pause them right in the middle of the last episode and never go back. Never watch like the a, last a song episode. That fades at yes. the end. You just keeps going. It's very funny. We didn't talk about that. These are these are just things we like. We didn't say what the topic would be. Yeah, we didn't discuss it before. I right chose now. cozy mysteries on TV from other nice. countries. They're not gritty. They're yes. Poor decisions are made, and mm. occasionally murder happens. And it's usually in a small town, which it's like, how can you possibly... Or, you know, a vacation destination, like Death in Paradise. I love that show. And it's like, why would anyone want to visit that place, given... Or Cabot's the Cove. high murder rate. There's a very high murder rate. But I totally enjoy getting immersed in those worlds. Uh, and usually, lately, I've found myself drawn to other countries, whether it's like British... Shows like Midsummer Murders uh, or Queens of Mystery. I really enjoy those. Um, Australian. I've gotten you hooked on Broken Wood Mysteries. I wouldn't say hooked as much as I've gotten you hooked on Broken Wood Mysteries. Give me this. (laughs) I've gotten you hooked on it. Why should I? I mean, you won't watch. (laughs) That's true. I will not watch. But you do tolerate those. But I really enjoy them. And Murdoch Mysteries, which is not only in another country, Canada. It's another time period. Um, I just love the fact that you get 
transported to another place. Right. And after a while, the accent just, it just kind of becomes a quaint, charming character in itself. Didn't we watch The Nick together? Yes, we, we did. did. Yeah. So that was kind of a combination. Oh, so, yeah. Of and a, then it disappeared. I just, ah. I, I know. I enjoyed that. And it was a little dark, but it was also that period piece that I kind of sometimes am drawn to and all they that. They still used horses. Yeah. So it was, those In are interesting city. things. But it's so funny. This is, this is, this tells you, though, how much my obsession with these quaint, charming murder towns are. Is Glenn's daughter for Christmas got me the book. And this is the actual title of the book. Your Guide to Not Getting Murdered in a Quaint English Village. Yes. It is full of great, wonderful tips, and it's hilarious. It's like these illustrations, and it's basically telling you, you may already be, if you're in a quaint English town, you may already be in a murder village. Um, But it's it's very hilarious because it's telling you all the various ways you die. And I'm like, you know what? I think I've watched a couple of these on some of these shows. But I I think what I really enjoy is I love the scenery. But I and I love mysteries. I've always loved mysteries. But I just love the fact that it completely takes you out of the day to day. And I think that's one reason. Not that we have a day to day where we're working with the cartel. So it's not that like oh, that I know of. It's not like the Ozarks are too real to me because that's our life. But it's just too gritty, and I don't. I don't really. I don't know. I don't enjoy that. I'm more inclined to do the mystery as opposed to yeah. the crime or police procedural. Yeah, and I would rather do the crime and police procedure. Yeah, or the historical biography. Yeah, you are. It's so weird. You are much more. Well, part of it is your suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Not that you're not capable of doing it, but you just don't tolerate stuff that just seems so far fetched. And I am like totally cool with that. I think though that you, because it does go back to you like to know how things work. It is the well well oiled machine and the production value but also that getting to know these characters and getting to know a little bit more about them. And the historical biography, same thing. You're very interested to know why and how does it work. You know, in my shows that I like, in my movies, the stuff is happening. It's going down. That Whether it's a, some kind of a financial crime or it's a drug-related thing or a murder, it's happening right there. And so it's really, you're caught up in that moment, whereas in yours, mm-hmm. it has already occurred, and the figuring true. out stage has begun, and you follow that through to its end. That is true, yeah. I, do, I didn't think about that, because most of the time you don't see the murder happen as much as you see the aftermath, and then you're putting together the puzzle. So yeah. I'm, cause I, I'm sort of a puzzle put puzzle putter together, too. Yes. Um, so we both kind of enjoy that. It's just we have very different takes on that. So anyway, that's what we're liking. Someday I'm going to find a way to extend those shows. Maybe I just watch them frame by frame? I think you just never watched the last episode. Brilliant. Thanks for listening to Couples Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. We drop new episodes the first and third Wednesday of each month, but to make sure you don't miss a show, follow us wherever fine podcasts are published. And if you enjoyed this episode, and you want to support the podcast, share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating or review. And please visit our website, couplesincpodcast.com. That's couplesincpodcast.com to learn more about us, review show notes, or leave us a message. Until next time.